No matter who you are or what you're looking for, health insurance sucks. Trying to find the right plan for you is always a challenge. In this episode, we'll take a look at the different healthcare options you have available to you and how to choose a plan that works for you. Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan Landis, and I'm here with Miranda Marquette. How are you, Miranda? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's good to see you in person. It is. I, I love it when we get to record in person. All right. So we're talking about health insurance today. Healthcare is, it's been a huge issue these past few years, um, especially as uh, in politics. Healthcare is now a political issue, not just a life issue. We've got Obamacare, we've got plans from employers. There's a lot to navigate in health insurance and healthcare in general. Choosing a health plan can be really frustrating. And I know because it has been for me, especially as someone going from working for an employer to working for myself, to going looking for individual plans, to looking for an Obamacare uh, exchange plan, and now back to individual health insurance directly from companies. So it's been quite a ride these last few years in personal health care. So how do we navigate all of this? Yeah, and it's hard to do. I mean, I was reading this article from the New York Times, and it's from a guy that actually is a health economist. And he has a hard time selecting a health insurance plan because of all of these all of these choices that are available. So if an economist is having problems, how are we non-economists supposed to even deal with this at all? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, he, he points out that one of the issues that we run into is that health insurance has many, he calls them price-like characteristics. He's definitely speaking economist right there. But, you know, he talks about, well, there's the premium. That's going to be the most obvious thing that you pay. But you also have so the premiums, the, the monthly payment that you make. Right. Sometimes they're subsidized by your employer if you're lucky enough to work for a company that does that. So that's that's the premium. That's the big price that people think about. Right. But then you also have things like your copayment. And that's that's what you pay when you go and visit a healthcare provider. And they're like, hey, you need to pay 20 bucks when you visit. Right. So your health insurance kind of defines the price that you pay for each type of visit. Right. And so so you're going to pay your premium. And then each time you go to a visit, you might have a copay that you pay. So you've got that. Uh, and then you have your coinsurance. And that's a little bit different as well. If you don't have a copay, you might have coinsurance. So, so then that's a percentage and not a flat dollar amount. Either way, it's still something that you pay for each service that you get when you visit a doctor right. or a specialist or anything like that. Right. And then you have your deductible. And that's how much you pay out of pocket before something else. So I have a high deductible plan. So I actually, I don't have a copayment. I go in, I see my healthcare provider, and then they bill me later for the full cost of the visit. And I pay the full cost until I hit $6,000 a year. At which point, then my insurance company starts to pay. What's interesting, even though you're paying full price, because you have insurance, what you're paying is a price that the insurance negotiated with the healthcare provider. So you might be paying less 
for any particular service because you have insurance than if you were to just go and try to pay cash, which I have done before as well. You, because you have insurance, you get the benefit of like a negotiated price for each service, which sometimes is great. Sometimes it's normal and you just have to, uh, you know, you kind of go along with that. Yeah. And that's really something to think about. And a lot of people are like, well, all of these costs, why would I want to get insurance anyway? Well, one, it's the law. And two, uh, break my wrist in March 2016. Mm -hmm. That was super fun. And I was looking at the cost of like before insurance, like before the negotiated price, before all of that stuff, $40,000. Wow. So that's if you did not have insurance, you would have had to pay $40,000. Right. Yes. And because I have insurance instead, uh, I was out of pocket in the end. It all settled out to be right around eight or $9,000. So it's still a lot of money. It's still but, a lot of money, but it's a lot less yeah. than forty thousand dollars. So let's kind of talk about some of the realities then of choosing health insurance. So what are some of the things that we run into, and what makes it such a pain in the butt to try and do this? Well, over time, it seems like the options for health insurance seem to be getting more restrictive, more expensive, and less helpful. Uh, if you work for a company, sometimes you'll see that a lot of the benefits you have one year go away the next year. Your co-payments are higher. Your deductibles are higher, even for the same plans. So this is one of the biggest struggles that people have is it's becoming more expensive year to year, just like any other thing that we buy in this world. It, right. Prices just seem to go up. And the quality or the services or the benefits that you get out of it seem to be decreasing. And that, I think, is a lot of the bulk of the reason that people are really frustrated with with health insurance right now. Right. And a lot of it has to do with as long as we have a for-profit system, because we've got stakeholders and shareholders that want their pay. We've got uh, CEOs who are making $150 million a year of health insurance companies. They get paid $150 million a year, as long as we've got this system. And and to compound the problem, right, we're not allowed to buy across state lines. Mm. So, so we have this for-profit health insurance system, and as long as we have a for-profit health insurance system, there is no place to go but up as far as pricing goes. It doesn't matter what policies, it doesn't matter who's in charge, it doesn't matter what administration we have or what plan we have or what legislation we have, as long as we have a system that's for profit, by definition, the prices can only go up. And they have to keep going up to keep the shareholders happy and to keep the CEOs happy and to make sure that everybody's getting paid. Yeah, and, and that system's not going away. Uh, you know, the health care industry is way too powerful to ever reverse course on this. Right. So, so let's bring it back here. We've, yeah. we've, sorry, I've got off track again because that's what I do when I'm on my healthcare soapbox. No, it's it's but, okay because, you know, I used to work... But that's the reality of the system. I used to work for an insurance company. Even the executives there, and I worked directly for top executive in the insurance company, he really believed that insurance companies are scams. They make money when they refuse to provide a service. They make money by not covering what they expect to expect right. to cover. And this is, you know, this is just how insurance works. Therefore, perhaps all insurance companies should be mutual companies where 
the people who benefit, those who own the company, they're the policyholders. So they stand to benefit when the insurance companies actually do provide a service instead of refusing to provide a service to their policyholders. Yeah, that's an interesting look at insurance from somebody who's worked in insurance. Yeah. Hurrah. Yeah. So part of the other issue that comes when you're choosing a health plan is you've got your employer plans, they're limited selection. You've got your exchange mm-hmm. plans, also limited selection because companies can choose or not choose to participate. And then uh, one of the other issues you run into is you may not know your health needs for the coming year mm-hmm. or your family's health needs. So most of the time, I'm very healthy. Most of the time, I don't need to use my insurance, which is why a high deductible plan works for me. I never get close to my deductible. I never get close to, even with a higher deductible plan, uh, the fact my health insurance premiums are so much lower that even when I pay out of pocket, I never get close to making up the difference between paying a higher cost for a premium and having a full service plan. So I usually don't need my health services, except for when I fall and break my wrist. (laughs) and and you don't know know when that's going to happen well that's the whole idea behind insurance is to plan for these things that you don't expect to happen i mean we can plan all we want we can say well i'm a healthy person nothing's ever going to happen to me i'm not going to need health insurance in the coming year i'm not going to need a certain type of coverage but then something happens you know, you tried to manage everything so that you saved as much money as possible. You paid the least amount. You worked it out on spreadsheets, but you can't predict the future. Right. And so that's definitely something that makes it a little bit challenging is, is that you want to make sure you're covered. But at the same time, cost plays a role in your choice. And sometimes you just can't afford the best plan. I mean, that's just life. Yeah, that's the reality of the situation is people will pay for the as 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 much as they can afford. And as this expense is just growing, and it becomes a larger portion of people's incomes, because income isn't growing, they try to find ways to just reduce the premium expense as much as possible, or they or they take a more analytical approach and they look at all the factors, or they run it through. You know, perhaps their insurance company has an online tool, or their company has an online tool where they work that kind of asks them questions, and based on the responses, they'll suggest what the best plan and what the lowest cost. Be. Uh, but again, it's all just guesswork because. You you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. Right. So let's talk about then, even though you don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> you still need to get this health insurance. So how do we start looking for a health care plan? Well, uh, the first thing is to kind of look at yourself and, and see what your situation is and make sure you're aware of everything that's going on in your life and whether you have kids, uh, whether you're going to be covering insurance for your kids as well. Look at the upcoming year and what do you expect to happen? Do you plan to have children? Do you foresee a big expense coming in the future? And these are all things that you just kind of have to consider and and know what your situation is going into it. Yeah. And I think it's important too, if you have an interesting family situation, if you have a partner, then you need to look at their health care situation and their possibilities as well as yours to see how they mix up. So some companies are no longer covering spouses or partners. 
it used to be right that if you had a good job, then it would cover your partner, it'd cover your kids, it would cover everybody. Mm-hmm. And now a lot of companies are no longer covering partners. And so you might each need to get your own health insurance. And then you'll also have to compare prices to see whose health insurance is going to be better for the kids. In my situation, I have an ex and he has great health insurance. And so he's actually got our son on his health insurance. So I just have to worry about my own health insurance because we did. We sat down and we said, okay, whose health insurance is going to be best for what situation? So you do need to look at your situation, get all the information you can and kind of sit down and go through it. Yeah. From there, you need to look at what your options are, because if you get insurance through your employer, then there's going to be a limited set. And you have to look at each of those plans, compare them and see what which one matches your situation. And maybe there's a tool like we talked about to help you to help guide you through that process of comparison. But you do have to look at all of the fine print and all of the details and see what is covered and what's not covered. Uh, think about your chances of of being in the same area. I travel a lot, so I, you know, my best situation would be a national plan where I can be in network anywhere in the country. That's another type of option that's going away. So th- these are definitely things that you need to think about your situation and and just prepare for. Are you traveling? Uh, will you have kids? Do you have kids? What kind of insurance do they need? And what options? are available to you, either through your employer, or if you want to look at the exchange, what's available there, or in your state directly from the insurance companies. There's a lot of comparison you have to do. And you want to look at, you want to look at reviews, too. You want to know that when you put in a claim for something, that you're not going to have any trouble getting coverage for it, if it is allowed. I mean, there are so many gray areas where an insurance company will try to not cover something until you fight them on it. Do you want to spend a lot of time at the same time that you're dealing with a potential health issue, dealing with the insurance company, fighting with them to get them to do what they're supposed to do? So you need to look at the reputations of these companies, talk to people who have those plans, and and possibly talk to people who have gone through situations that you may be going through uh, in terms of your health care. Yeah, and that's what I did when I, I had to switch plans because my current healthcare provider decided to change networks, what counts as in-network, and the main hospital in my hometown, where I live and where they cover a lot of people, is no longer considered in-network. Mm. And the out-of-network deductible is $50,000. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was super great. I'm going to be writing a post about that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but... But yeah, so I had to switch out. And so I did. I ended up asking my friends who I knew had this alternate plan. And I'm like, how do you like it? Has it been good for you? Has it helped when you've traveled? How has it been? And so getting that input from people who have had the experience helped a lot because that's ultimately what I did. But if you have, if you're working for a company, you can talk to HR. There are also plenty of knowledgeable healthcare brokers that you can talk to. And in a lot of states, uh, you can use their services for free. Yeah, I think um, for the most part, if you're looking at an exchange program, they almost prefer that you go through a broker who's going to help you through this process. But if you're more of the individual-minded person and you're pretty capable of looking at the options and understanding them, again, it probably takes a lot of practice to really understand a lot of what goes into healthcare plans. And uh, you need to take some time to do this if you're going to do it yourself. But you can go through 
and select one that works uh, that that seems to match based on the descriptions online. And you don't need a broker, but brokers can certainly guide you through the process. Yeah, and check your community resources because a lot of communities have free resources that can help you manage this situation. <laughs> so uh, check into it um, and, get, and get some help because it does start to get a little bit complex and a little bit overwhelming and a little bit crazy sometimes. Yeah, so uh, one of the biggest things that you have to first deal with when you're shopping for health insurance, and I've, it seems to me that companies are even getting away from these terms, but they still exist, and you have to understand them a little bit, and that's PPO uh, versus HMO versus EPO. and Ooh, Alphabet wh- soup. What do all of these... Uh, see, the, the health insurance is set up to be so consumer-unfriendly that you know they can throw all of these different things at you and confuse you and make it easy for you to end up getting something that's, you know, you're overpaying for things that you don't need. You're not getting the services that you think you're getting when you sign up for health insurance. And I think that's the biggest problem is people think they're getting something. They're getting certain things that are covered. And then it turns out when push comes to shove and they need the services, uh, that's not actually covered under your plan or your plan doesn't allow you to go to this particular specialist. These are all things that you have to kind of be aware of. And it starts, you know, in this basic categorization of types of plans with PPO and HMO being the most common. Yeah, so let's talk about what those things mean then. Yeah. Oh, good times. And it's not easy to kind of find all of this information out there. So I'm hoping that, you know, bringing it together here, uh, we can help guide listeners a little bit more than, you know, sending them, you know, searching for things and getting bad information elsewhere. Right. So let's start with the PPO. A lot of people end up with a PPO. And when you're in a PPO, it's like a primary uh, provider kind of situation. So right. you, you choose your primary care physician and you try to choose one that's in their network and you try and make sure all of your regular service providers are in the network. So your primary care provider has to be in the network. So that's right. they you you wouldn't you wouldn't even be able to choose a primary care physician or sometimes it's not even a physician. It's whoever you choose to be your primary you know, they're in charge of your health care. They're the ones who guide you through. They they give you referrals when you need a specialist. That is who that's that's who's kind of looking at everything and caring for you completely. Uh, so that's it's it's required to be in their network. And then they will send you um, Well, you always have to check, too, when you get a referral. It's not like they automatically will give you someone who's in your mm-hmm. insurance so or in your network. So you do have to check every time there's a referral and let them know, you know, what your insurance is. And uh, they'll find someone within your network. Right. And you can go outside of your network. It's a it's a preferred network, but it will cost you more money. Right. to go outside of your network. So it is possible to get care outside of the network, but that's where they start charging you more. You'll have a higher deductible. You'll pay a higher percentage of your health care when you go out of network. Uh, but it is an option, and they will cover a part of your cost of going out of network. So, so there is that. When you have an EPO or an exclusive provider, once you go out of network, it's all over. Right. You have right. to stay in network if you have yeah. an EPO. Right. Yeah. There is no option to pay more and go outside of the network. There is just the, the health insurance company won't help you at all if you're out of network. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind as well. And then with an HMO, 
that's more of a community type of health insurance where you you go and everything is managed within the same plan. You don't have as much say in what you're allowed to do because with a PPO you could go to your doctor and you say you know this this is what I want this is what I need I feel you know for whatever reason I need these tests they'll go ahead and and do it for you and they'll they'll you know it'll be covered Uh, however with an HMO some of the decisions are outside of your hands Uh, but it is a lot less money and in general it, it, it is very good care and you can get a lot of coverage within an HMO for less money but you don't make you can't you don't have as much flexibility you can't make all of the healthcare choices you want for yourself right so it's important to keep that in mind and <laughs> how much autonomy you like because if you like autonomy and you like to make your choices the HMO is probably not going to be for you even though you're going to see a bigger cost savings right the the other thing to keep in mind is the networks that you have and because insurance companies are state-based and state-focused, you're often limited uh, in terms of the expanse of your network. And you can, like like we talked about before, if you're traveling and you generally uh, don't stay within the same state, you need to find a network that's going to be a national network so that you can stay in network wherever you are in the country. And while traveling outside of the United States is a whole other issue. But within the United States, if you're traveling, you want to have a national network, if you're traveling regularly, or at least if you're traveling not so regularly and you foresee something happening or if you have some concerns, you can call your insurance company and just uh, ask them what some of the options are for staying in network out of state. But you do have to you do have to look at that network, see if the people you like going to are within the network, and then check every year because the network itself can change or your doctors can decide that they're they're switching networks. So this is a crucial piece of choosing your health insurance. What is going to be covered in network? Yeah, and it, and I really think it's important to reiterate that check every year. The problem with health insurance is it's not like a lot of us with car insurance. We're like, okay, we'll pick it. And you should shop around for car insurance regularly, just so you know, Mm -hmm. you should do that. But most of us don't. Most of us just stick with the same company and that works okay. With health insurance, it's a completely different ballgame because the networks can change. Your healthcare providers can decide they're not going to accept that insurance anymore. What covers changes, it all changes. Every year, it's a new process, and you need to check every single year. That's what happened to me in 2017. That's exactly what yep. happened. My Happened to me, too. I had my exchange plan, which was working fine. Actually, I had just joined it in September of 2016 after some issues with my prior plan. I had moved, so I was able to uh, choose a new plan at that point. That's one of those... That's one of those, uh, they don't allow you to change insurance plans during the year unless you have a qualifying event. Right, if you move, you have a child, you get married, you get divorced, all that kind of stuff. So because I moved, I used a new plan, and I I found one on the exchange uh, in Pennsylvania, which was good, it covered, it had a national network, Um, it had everything I needed for the most part, and for a price that I could afford. I got a letter saying that plan was going away in 2017 in the state of Pennsylvania. So I had to choose another plan. If I didn't choose another plan, then they'd throw me into this other plan uh, that was taking its place. That was not what I wanted at all. 
It, it didn't have any of the coverages that were the reasons that I chose the plan that I did in the first place. So I went shopping on the exchange and I didn't see anything that was meeting my needs. So I went directly to uh, the insurance companies and shopped around there. And so now I'm not on the exchange. I'm buying insurance direct from an insurance company for 2017. But it's all a matter of things changing year to year. And that would be the case whether we had ACA or not. This was right. something that happened every year, uh, regardless of the Affordable Care Act. So. And that's, and that's what everybody forgets. This has been going on for decades. <laughs> and for the most part, and increases have been happening for decades. Uh, yeah. They've slowed in recent years. Actually, the percentage of increase has slowed in recent years. But it's never going to stop. We've yeah. talked about this because it's just systemic. But one of the things you can do to save a little extra money is what I do, and that is choose a high-deductible health plan. Okay, so now, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> so basically, all this means is that you are choosing to pay more out of your own pocket. It means you are going to have a higher deductible, which is the amount that you pay out of your pocket before the insurance company kicks in their share. Now, when you say a high deductible, how high are we talking so, yeah, it depends. It's it's put out there. Usually, most high deductible plans for an individual are going to be right around in the area of uh, three to $6,000 of a deductible. For family plans, you might see higher, like five to $7,000 or $8,000. So you're going to see higher out-of-pocket costs. So just to compare that to other health insurance plans, other health insurance plans that don't have a high deductible might have a... Uh, a $0 deductible, perhaps if it's a, like a platinum type mm -hmm. of plan, or they might have $500, or they might have 1000 That's generally uh, the range that you would be in for a PPO or an HMO. For a high deductible, you're looking at a lot more than that. Right. And one of the things with the plan that does not have a high deductible, like a low deductible, you're going to pay more each month in premiums. So for a comparable plan to what I have, I would be looking at paying uh, between uh, $400 and $450 a month. Mm -hmm. But I would go to the doctor's office, I would pay a $20 copay and have everything taken care of. Or, I, you know, or they'd have like a $75 to $150 copay, depending on the plan, for an emergency room visit or something like that. Now, so for a regular doctor's appointment that you may make, with a high deductible health plan, what kind of office costs are you going to be dealing with? Yeah, so, well, since I live in Idaho, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at, you know, I usually end up, well, and actually, because of the F Affordable Care Act, your pre a preventative health care visit costs you nothing. Okay, no preventative. Matter, no, yeah, a preventative. So okay. if you do like a yearly checkup, your yearly checkup is covered by the insurance company. So when I go in for my yearly checkup, even though I have a high deductible plan and I should be paying, what, 100 to $150 for an office, office visit, I pay nothing for my yearly checkup. So if you were to go But if to, I was to go for a regular visit, I'd yes. be looking at between 100 and $150. Right. So this is what I went through. Actually, it was when I didn't have insurance for like a short period of time as, as I was kind of getting things settled when I was moving and I waited too long really. Uh, so I wasn't able to go back and retroactively cover myself. But anyway, um, 
I had done something to my foot and I went in to, uh, yeah, yeah. I remember the situation. (laughs) What what did I do to my foot? I don't remember. I don't know, but you were still having that problem when I was here last. Right. Oh, that's right. I, I tripped in stands in a stadium and twisted and, you know, I thought there was possibly a micro fracture. So anyway, I was trying to take care of this and, the initial visit was something over a hundred dollars or something like that. And then I had x-rays done and that was, you know, several hundred dollars. I think it was probably 300 or $400 or something like that. I, and that includes the visit with the orthopedic or orthopedist or something like that, that I had to do, you know, this was a major expense and it's similar to what you would pay if you have a high deductible health plan and then you have to have that type of, uh, that type of visit. Right. So yeah, so that's something to keep in mind. But with my high deductible plan, since I am willing to pay more out of pocket up front, I actually pay less in premium. So my premium for my new plan is $290 a month, as opposed to paying up to $450 or $500 a month just to cover me. So it's a pretty big savings. And it's a monthly savings, which is nice. And so that's yeah. one of the nice things. So you have to you have to weigh that cost. Now, a high deductible plan does not make sense for everybody. If you have a lot of healthcare costs, if you go to the doctor a lot, if you have regular prescriptions uh, that have you know a high copay, well, not a high copay. If you have regular ex- prescriptions that are expensive, if you have lots of children. If you have a high deductible plan worked really well for me, even when I was married, because I just had, we had one child and he didn't get into a lot of scrapes. He wasn't breaking. He wasn't getting sick a lot. But if you have uh, three or four children, if you have, uh, if, if somebody has a chronic condition, if you have diabetes, mm. a high deductible plan is not for you because you will be paying these high out of pocket costs. Plus you will still have that premium to pay. Now, if you don't have a lot of, if you don't use a lot of healthcare services, uh, you can still you pay your monthly premium and you don't go in as much. And even when you have your out of pocket costs, you're still not going to get to that point. And I've actually, I actually did a price comparison once uh, with how it worked, and we can link to that in our show notes, just to see how it worked out for my personal situation. So a high deductible plan isn't for everyone. So what I like to do, though, is if you do decide a high deductible plan is for you and you can afford the out-of-pocket costs, is I like to use a health savings account. Mm -hmm. And we've written about this on the website, on adulting.tv. You can find a great article written by yours truly (laughs) about health savings accounts. Harlan is skeptical. He doesn't care for them that much. Yeah, I mean, I think they're a little like 401ks where, you know, more of the burden is on the individual, which fairly a lot of people prefer. Uh, But the point of insurance is to spread costs over uh, as wide as population as possible. Healthcare and the health of a nation is a societal good and... uh, I'm a bleeding heart liberal, and I would love to see a single-payer system. Yeah, I just got political there, folks. But I would love to see a single-payer system. But until we get that, I'm happy to use the health savings account. Yeah. so (laughs) It's it's a tax benefit. It is. Yeah. Uh, You get a deduction when you make your contribution, and there are contribution limits. But you get a deduction when you make your contribution. 
And the money in there grows tax-free as long as you use it for qualified healthcare expenses. So you don't actually ever pay taxes on the money as long as you're using it for healthcare costs. And so what I like to do is say, okay, how much would it have spent, how much would it have cost me to get a regular healthcare plan without a high deductible? So in this case, it's like 450 bucks, but I'm paying 290. So I put the difference between 450 and 290 and someone else quickly do that, I guess. Anyway, I put that difference in the health savings account. So instead of paying it to the insurance company, I pay it to myself in the health savings account and let it grow. So you're partially self-insured there. Yes. Yes. And that's part of what I do. And yes, like Harlan says, I would love for us to have a different health insurance situation and system. And it's a big deal to me that we have a different health insurance system. (laughs) I would love to have that. But as long as we don't, I am using a high deductible plan in conjunction with my health savings account. Now, do sometimes uh, employers sometimes contribute to HSAs? Yes. Uh, Yes, they do. You can do it's one of those benefits that you can get similar to like a 401k match. There are some employers who if you choose a high deductible plan from their offerings, they will offer you an HSA match as well. So that is something to think about. And the nice thing about the health savings account is that money is yours. It rolls over year to year. It's yours forever. There's no vesting. There's, you know, like with a 401k match, sometimes you have to worry about vesting. There is no vesting with a health savings account, so it's your money. What are some of the things that people can do right now to set themselves up for making the best decision uh, when it comes to health insurance? Right. So the first thing you want to do is make a checklist. Sit down with your little pen and paper and write out a checklist of your healthcare needs. Think about the last year, the last two years. What were some of your healthcare needs? Think about how many times you went to the doctor, how many times your kids went to the doctor. Take a look at that and make a checklist of what you need covered. Yeah. And again, this is very difficult when it comes to predicting what your needs are going to be for the following year. Uh, Certainly, part of the reason insurance exists is to deal with emergencies. And emergencies are things that you don't plan for despite your best efforts. Some people won't take any effort at all. Others will you know, make huge checklists and still not realize that something was coming. And that's the nature of life. Uh, So you have to just keep that in mind as well. With that in mind, with this checklist, you can go and see what's available to you. Find out who the providers are that's available, whether it's through your company or whether it's through a state exchange or the national exchange. And find out what these options are and really dig into this. Take a look and understand read and understand exactly what is being offered so that you know and you see how your situation fits in with everything that's available to you. Right. Another thing to do is open an account, whether it's a health savings account, a flexible savings account through your work, or even just a regular old-fashioned vanilla savings account, whatever it is, start saving for healthcare costs because no matter what plan you have and no matter where you're at, until our healthcare system gets a fundamental overhaul, it will cost you money. Mm-hmm. And it will cost you money every year and it will always be very unpleasant. So now is the time to just start saving for those healthcare costs. You you have to plan. Just like just like you plan saving up for, like they tell you, oh, save up for your next car, right? Start mm-hmm. saving up for your next car right now. Well, you need to start saving for your health care right now. You just do. 
And one other important thing is if you do see doctors regularly, talk to them and see what network they're in, what they suggest, what they've Mm -hmm. seen in terms of working with the insurance companies. Because a lot of the times when you have doctors, you're not the one who's interfacing with the insurance companies. The providers will submit your claim for you. And a lot of the time they will just get a response back from the insurance and they'll forward it to you. And there's not much discussion there. And it, there, there are things that providers can do to submit your claims in such a way that there is a better chance of it being covered. So you want to make sure all of that is happening. But the doctors and the providers, they have the most experience dealing with the companies that they deal with. So you'll want to talk to them, not just to make sure that they're covered in the plan, but to see what what their experiences are and whether things that they expect to be covered are being covered and they don't have to deal with, you know, disagreements. Right. So we do have a listener question. And this is, I can't afford health insurance, but I'm worried about getting hit with the fine if I don't get it. What are my options? Okay, so... With the current law that's in place, which uh, there's always a chance of the law changing, of course, with the current administration and the Congress, they could be doing anything going forward. But right now, there is a fine if you do not have health insurance. It's on your tax return. Um, Why this exists is because insurance works best when there's a largest pool of Mm -hmm. people contributing to help cover the cost for the entire for the entire country, and the, there's a massive effort to get more people covered in health insurance because a healthy populace is best. And whether you call that socialism or not, it isn't really important. Things work better when a healthy life isn't available only to the people, you know, in the in the top something percent, right? Right. The the world functions better, the country functions better when as many people as possible are healthy and working. <laughs> you know, it's it's right. it's simple economics, really. I mean, this this shouldn't be a liberal versus conservative discussion because when everybody's healthy, everybody can work and everybody can right. uh, and, and, contribute. And fun fact, everybody likes to call what we have Obamacare, but really the ACA is a resurrected proposal from the Heritage Foundation in the healthcare battles of the 90s. Yeah. So we actually what we actually have is a Heritage Foundation thing that's being thrown out there as something from the far left, which is insane. Yeah. But let's talk about how what you could do if yeah. you can't afford health insurance. So first yeah. of all, the laws run that if you really can't afford it and you can show that you are truly indigent and you cannot afford it, you don't have to get it. So you can get, there are exceptions to this. Not everybody's being forced to it. There are exceptions. Number two, it comes with a subsidy. If you fall within a certain income range, you will get a subsidy that will help you pay for the health insurance so that it is more affordable. So don't just look at the premium cost because a lot of the mm-hmm. time you're looking at the exchange and you're looking at the premium cost. That is the B4 subsidy cost before you receive your tax credit. So that's the B4 subsidy cost. This is why it's important to see a health broker if you don't understand what's going on because the health broker can look at it and help you figure out your subsidy and see, oh, yeah, this this plan says that it comes with a $300 premium, but after my subsidy, after my monthly subsidy is applied, maybe you only pay $50 a month. So don't just look at the price of the premium and then freak out. 
You also need to remember that there's a subsidy that comes with this if you can't afford it. And second of all, check with your state to see if they participated in Medicaid expansion. Mm -hmm. Idaho did not. So there are 78,000 people that are uninsured in Idaho that fall into what is called the gap because Idaho did not participate in Medicaid expansion. However, there are a bunch of states that did, so check with your state to see if they participate in Medicaid expansion. You may actually qualify for Medicaid to help you pay for your health care costs. We talked a little bit about this before the show. What about things like medical cost-sharing plans or ministries or health share types of situations? So yeah, there are some health share plans out there. Some of them are great, some of them are not, but there are some health share ministries most of them are Christian based. And if they existed before a certain date, then they qualify to avoid the fine, which is interesting. Right. But newer ones don't qualify. Right. So check into that, do a little research. You might qualify for a health sharing thing. Also, if do they you, work, um, I haven't looked into it a lot. Uh, I'm skeptical of them myself, but I know that we know there are a lot of people in our community yeah. that love them. And so um, I'm, I'm hesitant to to badmouth them too much, but I'm a little skeptical of them. Uh, but that doesn't mean they don't work for some people. And then uh, remember too that if you are under the age of 30, you can qualify for what's called a catastrophic plan. So it's very low cost, uh, and basically it just covers you if you end up going to the hospital. <laughs> in an mm. accident or illness, major illness. So the catastrophic plans are much less expensive and usually very affordable. Yeah. So, you know, my girlfriend's going through something right now, very intense health issue. And it's the type of thing where she's, she's lucky right now that she has good coverage because the expenses would just be ridiculous if she had to deal with this herself. So it's, it's so important to find coverage, even, you know, even the most basic, even catastrophic, because the, the expenses can really uh, destroy your life. Uh, They can bankrupt you. They could cause you to be in debt forever if something bad happens. You know, a catastrophic plan is is the bare minimum. Just going from there, if there's something else that you can do, it it definitely helps in the end because you never know when you're going to run into something that's just going to blindside you and uh, send you, you know, send your finances and your life into, you know, a tailspin. Right, exactly. And so it's it's important to be prepared in some way, shape, or form. And insurance helped me when I needed it. And, you know, I wish the system were different, but we have what we have. So mm-hmm. <laughs> on that note. Well, if you have any questions about insurance, anything else that adults have to deal with, and adults are dealing with lots of stuff these days, you can come find us at adulting.tv. Ask us a question at adulting.tv slash ask. Subscribe on iTunes adulting.tv slash iTunes uh, and find us on Facebook, our adulting community, where you can just ask questions. You can chat with other people, other listeners and see what's going on in your world. We'd love to hear. We'd love to hear from you. All right. All right. So leave us a review on iTunes and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.